All right, guys, welcome back to Ag with Emma. Today we're going down to Texas to talk with Michelle, also known as the Ag Mag. Um, and she has her own magazine about agriculture and she's based out of the Rio Grande Valley. I think I already said Texas. So I'm going to let her introduce herself beyond what I've already <laughs> told you because there's quite a bit that she does and how far she's come since she started this. So Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Could you give yourself a little more of an introduction than I already have? <laughs> um, so my name is Michelle Martin, also known as AgMag STX, which sounds for South Texas. I live in the Rio Grande Valley, and I'm about as far south in Texas as you can go before you walk straight into Mexico. So that's where I live. And um, a lot of misconception is, is where I live is since it's a border town, it's basically, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Border Wars, but that's a often misconception that people have, that it's just not filled with agriculture. And we actually have a lot of agriculture down here. And so that's kind of what inspired me to get out there and start what I do. Yeah. So with the agriculture down there, can we just talk about the differences and your seasons kind of thing? You guys are always busy down there because you have the irrigation and you have the weather for it. So can you talk a little bit more about what you guys grow um, and how that all works? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually plant and harvest down here year round. So we don't get breaks. It is a constant go, go, go. So basically during the months of September, sometimes August, um, all the way until early May, late April, we are always planting vegetables down here. It's also a time of citrus. So we grow, not us personally, but here in the Rio Grande Valley, there's over 50 different types of vegetables that are grown. There's also um, tons of citrus. We have oranges, we have grapefruit. They also do sugar cane. Then you move into your summer months and we have all your row crops. Um, your corn, your canola, your cotton, your grain, um, wheat. We do a little bit of wheat, not too terribly much. Uh, potatoes, you name it, we have it. I mean, I didn't even cover half of it. <laughs> yeah, I think you mentioned uh, sometime there's like over, I can't remember the number of how many different vegetable crops that you guys grow down there. I think it was like 50 or I feel like that is too yeah. small of an amount, though. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's roughly around 50. But, you know, with every type of vegetable, you have almost, you know, X amount Hundreds of varieties. Hundreds of varieties, yeah. Yeah, so let's say like cauliflower. We have a farmer down here who grows cauliflower. Well, we have, you know, your regular white cauliflower that you see in the grocery store. But then we have purple cauliflower, yellow cauliflower, you know, blue cauliflower, there's all different colors down here. And so each crop has different varieties, but when it comes to it, there's a probably total of 50 different vegetables. There's a lot of exotics grown too. Yeah. It's so, super cool to see everything that's grown down there. And like blue, call, like blue is not a naturally occurring color <laughs> within plants, right? If I remember that right. Yes, that's correct. Maybe I think it's green, actually. Now that let me correct myself. It's green. But hey, there you go. There's a million dollar idea. Go create some blue cauliflower, Emma. <laughs> I, maybe I'll do that. If I had the sciencey stuff, I'd totally just blue cauliflower, <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. So yes. yeah. And then you, okay. So your role within your valley and area 
you're not you're a farmer but you're also like a magazine publisher (laughs) correct (laughs) okay so yes I do a lot so my husband actually farms he also works for Helena um, Chemical which you know sells fertilizers to farmers and he also ranches on the side I have an agricultural magazine called the Ag Mag which covers all aspects of agriculture on top of having a tv show called Ag on Wheels which is similar to what you're doing. Um, I've had it for the magazine for nine years. The show will hit almost three. And there on the show, basically, we travel the United States um, and we film with farmers, ranchers, agricultural businesses, and kind of just spread the word of agriculture and clear up a lot of these misconceptions that people have. Yeah, and it is so, so cool that's to kind watch of- that. <laughs> Yeah, so my magazine, I'll just give you a little history here. Um, My magazine, like I said, I've had for almost nine years. It'll be nine years in September. And I started it because I was working at a job that I was extremely unhappy at. And I don't know if you've ever felt this, but you just had enough. And so I prayed and prayed and God gave me the idea. And I quit my job that day with $200 in my wallet and started an agricultural magazine that was essentially just for the Rio Grande Valley and for the South part of Texas. Uh, after a couple of years, it eventually grew. And um, now that I have my Instagram account, you know, I've made it a national magazine. And I also, about the sixth year, I want to say, end of fifth, started the sixth, I was kind of like, hmm, I'm really ADHD. I've got the magazine going let's do something and let's start a tv show let's put a visual to the magazine and that's kind of where the show came from and i it is so cool that you're just your story of how you started this and you okay if i remember correctly you don't have like a super big background in agriculture right like you saw that's correct i do not i basically married a farmer And I mean, we had farmland growing up. My grandparents did, but I was never heavily involved. My mother was a restaurant owner. And so with that being said, basically, I married a farmer and started to learn and learn and just got a huge interest into it. And so whenever I got the idea for the magazine, I said, you know what? I know enough. We're going to make this work. And I took that leap of faith. And here I am. (laughs) Okay, I love that too. Yeah, I just keep saying I love it, but I think I relate a lot to you personally because, okay, before I started my ag account, I didn't even know who you were, honestly. And I had a friend actually send me your story one day and was like, hey, this lady makes the same hats as you. And I would clear it up with her to make sure that you're not like hurting her feelings by selling these in Idaho. And I was like, oh, shoot, I didn't even know. So, like, if that tells you anything, like, yeah, but after I have found your account and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this like, how are we like, not the same, but you know, I have, I thought I had an original idea. I'm just learning more and more that you never have Look, an original I'm just, idea. I'm just going to mentor you. And that way, whenever I get old and can't be mobile anymore, you can just take over for me. I'll just get your proceeds. How about that? I think that sounds great. But yeah, I just love what you do. So I keep saying I love that. And I sound like a, like I don't have any other responses. But 
I really do love it. Um, and I completely forgot what I was going to say after I went on that tangent. Um, no, but you said something. I just know enough. Like I know enough to start sharing it. And so I think that is a super important piece of advocating for this industry is not, you don't have to know everything. And so realizing that you did not have a strong background in agriculture, like not that it wasn't strong, but marrying into it and then seeing the potential to share and then being like, okay, we're just going to send it. And you just literally <laughs> sent it, not even knowing everything, but you're learning along the way. So, um, yeah, I just think it's super cool that you've done all this. <laughs> well, thanks. I mean, that's not to say that it hasn't come with trials and tribulations. You know, I think a, a big challenge for me, we can talk a little bit about this, is not growing up in agriculture, is when I wanted to start a farming magazine, it was extremely difficult for me to, to get people to trust me. And, you know, it's like you trying to sell something that you don't know much about. And people don't really want to give you their money if they don't know if it's going to work or not. And so how I really started the magazine was I had created a, AKA a mock magazine, which, you know, a fake magazine. I pulled a couple of stuff off of Google and I had a friend who I had previously worked with that was a graphic designer. And I said, Hey, this is my idea. I'm willing to pay you this amount. Once we start growing, we'll make it, you know, I'll pay you more. And he said, let's go for it. And so I had my husband drive me around to local agricultural businesses and said, Hey, will you, will you invest in me that just buy an ad? This is how much it is. I need X amount of ads to make this profitable. So whenever I, my very first magazine, I believe had four ads, I want to say now I'm up to almost 60, just depending on the season. Um, and after the second magazine came out, it was starting to flourish quicker than I had ever imagined. And uh, it started off as a 24-page magazine. Now we're up to almost 90 pages, again, seasonally. And it's just me and my graphic designer who run the magazine. And after about the second one, people started to be a little more open. And they started to realize, hey, you know, this girl's got something going on here because we don't have any, we didn't have any publications like this in the Rio Grande Valley. We used to in the past, but then at the certain time when I started my magazine, we didn't have anything. And so I think I just found that niche and to form all the relationships and friendships that I have in the last nine years is incredible. When my mom passed away, people who read my magazine that I didn't even know were sending us, you know, condolences or when my son was born, they were sending us baby gifts. And it was, it was just an amazing feeling to know that the community of agriculture was embracing someone who was essentially new to their community. And now all these people are like my family. So it's, it's quite a, quite a story. And that's not to say that there haven't been more trials within it, but that, that was one of the major ones that was really difficult. Yeah, and there are going to be so many trials whenever you're trying to do something good. Like for every amount of tribulation or trial, there's going to be an equal amount of good or the other way around. Like when you're doing something yeah. good, equal <laughs> amount of trial anyway. Um, and it's just, you can't avoid it, but it does help you grow through it. And so I think that just everything that you've been through just makes it better. So there you go. I and now, agree. like, the family that you spoke about within the agriculture industry is so real. Like the people in this industry just 
know how to be there for you in a special kind of way that just makes your arm hair stand up. You're like, oh, I'm so blessed to be involved in this industry and have these friends. But exactly something that just something special that ties us all together. Um, So kind of delving off of that, the importance of communications within agriculture is kind of what I'd like to talk about next, because, you know, we go through the motions or we in the ag industry are learning about every single day, but there's an importance in getting that out. So can you talk about the gap that you saw or the importance of communications within agriculture and how we need to improve or not necessarily improve, but keep growing in that aspect. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I started my magazine, I was fairly young. I'm not going to tell you my age now, but I'm in my mid thirties. And throughout the years of growing, I've realized that as each year goes by, I feel like the farmer loses their voice more and more every day. And that's always been my driving force is is I want to be that vehicle that gives the farmer their voice back because we're in such a world that is full of so much misinformation, so much misconception. And for some odd reason, society has this mentality that if it's on the internet, it's true instead of going directly to the source. And so I want to give the people of agriculture that confidence to get back in front of the camera, to get back in front of, you know, a piece of paper and write exactly what happens at their operation or what they're seeing. And like I said, just be able to give them their voice back and to clear out misconceptions. And that's what I think social media is just so powerful for these days is the actual farmer getting out there and, you know, talking to essentially their phone, but really it's a message that's being delivered all across the world. And I think that that's extremely important. It's just, I find it, it's extremely difficult. And I think you can agree with me because um, since you do, you know, almost what I do and being able to put out your message and put out your operation for people to see and tell them the truth. And then it feels like people constantly knock you down. You know, well, I read this, that can't be true. Instead of asking, it's kind of like they're telling you. And they don't know. They don't, you know, they're, they're not there. Everyone has their own experience. Everyone does everything differently. And I think accepting people for, and respecting them for the way that they do things because they make it work. And everyone in agriculture is different. And that's what brings so much diversity to our awesome community. And I think that embracing everyone's differences and coming together and spreading the real message of agriculture is more powerful than just one person doing it, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with you. And saying everyone does things differently. Like I've been making more YouTube videos lately about how we do things at the shop I started working at. And in every video, I feel the need to be like, if you have anything mean to say, keep it to yourself because I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. And it's like, you know, let's say, for example, you and me, when you found my account, you know, and we had the same hat. And it's just funny because I, someone, I mean, not me, but someone else, maybe they would have gotten upset and been like, this girl's trying to compete with me. And now she's my competitor. But instead I was like, oh, great. There's two of us. Let's unite together and, you know, get stronger and reach more people than you trying to be my competitor. We're in the same field. We should be working together, not against each other. And I think that. 
and I, I saw a post yesterday on Instagram and it kind of hit home for me about how we tend to form cliques and those cliques, people feel the need to be accepted into these cliques. And it took me a long time when I, even when I first started my social media, I felt the need to be a certain way in order to be accepted and with my magazine the same way. And the, the older I got and the more experiences I had, I realized, you know what? I'm not here to be accepted into a group. I'm here to spread the word of agriculture. And as long as I'm being true to myself and I'm spreading the word of ag gracefully, then I don't need to be accepted into a certain clique. You know, I need to unite with people and you're only as strong as the people you hang out with or your weakest link on your team. And I feel like the people that I surround myself with should uplift me and I should uplift them and we should work together and unite. And I think that's kind of where we're broken in the world of agriculture is just because you do it differently than me doesn't make your way better or right. Our lands are different. Our operations are different. You know, I get deemed all the time for, well, some of the equipment you show isn't very nice. Well, vegetable farmers don't really need to invest in super nice equipment because one, we farm on, you know, differently. We, we farm on beds and there's just all different aspects. And so again, I think we should just all learn to work together and not compete against one, in, one another. That's, that's my opinion. Everyone's opinion is different and I respect that, but that's how I feel about it. Yeah, well, it's totally true because there's so much power in numbers and everything you just hit it on, like, you don't need to be accepted to just share what you love. And so I think a lot of people forget about that because we've become such a people-pleasing, people-seeking society, I feel, and we're soft, like, we've gotten soft. So people don't accept that it's, like, okay to go do your own thing and not give a crap about what everyone else has to say about it. So just going and doing the darn thing, you're setting that example, like more than just in the ag industry, but in life principles as well. So yeah. And you know, Emma, the one thing that I was taught, so I know we talked a little bit about my magazine and my show and people think, oh my gosh, they'll tell me all the time. You have the best job ever. Yeah. You know what? I have a great job and I love it and I wouldn't trade it for the world. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that people don't see. I cry at least once a week because I'm stressed. And I went through a really rough spot where I almost stopped. And one thing that I learned is when you said that we've become soft is that we have to have tough skin, but a soft heart. So as long as you have tough skin and you don't allow your heart to become hard, then I think you're doing a great job. And I think that really hit home for me was... I guess it was, I'm now on edition 46 of my magazine, but it was the third edition. When I was starting my magazine, I found out I was pregnant. And within that, my mom passed away. Um, I had to have surgery. My umbilical cord to my son wasn't normal. So I had to go almost nine months, you know, worrying if I was going to have a healthy child. Uh, When he was born, they told me he had leukemia, which he did not. But there was a lot of personal things that happened. And I could have easily gotten a hard heart at that time because why is this happening to me? You know, I had no drive. I was just so self-consumed in myself. And um, it was really at that point that it's like, do you keep going or do you stop? And I decided that I was going to keep going because... I was so passionate about agriculture and it's amazing that I was so passionate about it when I didn't know as much as I probably should have at the time. 
now I know more than I care to know. But, <laughs> you know, it's just, I think people, sometimes we let our circumstances create us to have tough skin and a tough heart. And as long as our heart never gets hard, I think that we're moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Amen. Retweet times 1000. <laughs> yeah, early- it's- oh, go ahead. No, you're fine. Go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> okay. I was just going to ask you a different question, but if you have more thoughts to add on, no. that, go ahead. Okay. Go for it. Okay. So you spoke about people that you surround yourself with in that little blurb about, you know, everything with the good blurb and so you surround yourself with a lot of cool farmers and that's what we see on your Instagram correct and um can you talk about the connections that you've made there and the willingness for these farmers and that they have to let you share their operations and how you got to that point yeah absolutely so like I said um I started my show about I guess almost three years ago And when I was doing that, I got, um, I'm self-funded. And so here recently I've partnered with Syngenta, which has been awesome. And I have a great um, business partner. But before then, when I first started my magazine or my magazine, my TV show, like I said, was self-funded and I got our family into $60,000 worth of debt. And I was paying for all the travel, the production, you name it. But the thing um, that kept me going was because I sat down with my husband one night and he's like, you know, you're going to have to stop. Like, we have no money. Like, how are we even going to pay mortgage now? He's like, this is silly. You you can't do this. I said, no, I'm going to do it. I believe in these families. I believe in these people. And sure enough, God presented me with two, you know, businesses that just came in clutch and got me out of the hole that I was in and got me back on my feet. And it has presented me with so many opportunities. So for me, that was a sign from the big man upstairs, like, hey, you're doing the right thing. And so with these families, you know, down here on my Instagram, I'm well connected now because of my magazine and I've established all these relationships. And so I'll ask them, I'll say, the Valley has so much agriculture. Do you care if I come out on your farm and show your operation? And every single one of them has been so willing to let me come out and just, they say, do your thing, which my thing is I'm crazy. I'm sporadic. I'm ADHD. So if they see me dancing in their field, they know what I'm doing, <laughs> They, yeah. you know, but like I said, you know, they're just so willing and it's been great. And it's been through the trials and tribulations. We've all gone through ups and downs. And so the fact that they allow me to come out here and show their operation is it's a gift within itself for me. And like I said, we can talk a little bit um, on the agriculture side about what we do here. Mm-hmm. So vegetables are extremely sensitive. And so a lot of times on my Instagram, you'll see that when it's harvest time, we have a bunch of labor out in the field. And I'm not even going to call them labor. I'm going to call them the team because without them, I'm telling you right now, there would be no vegetables because vegetables are so sensitive to equipment that a lot of times everything has to be handled harvested and even with weed control some vegetables can't be sprayed and so you have to actually get a hoe team out there to hoe all the weeds and living so close to the border a lot of people think that labor is really easy to find and it's not it's especially not in today's world you know when they're getting paid more um, from other means it's it's hard to find labor and you know they get paid very well they get depending on the vegetable you know, the farmer deciphers that they're going to get paid by bin, crate, whatever it is. And 
without them, we would have no one because a farmer himself can't go out there and hoe 2000 acres worth of vegetables, you know, or harvest, you know, millions of beets. And so um, that's just an often misconception that we have down here as well. And so um, I think when we were talking before we did this podcast too, is if you watch people's Instagrams and you're an irrigated farmer, you notice a lot of people in the upper, I, I want to say North because everything's North for me, <laughs> you know, I'm so far down South, but um, is they use center pivots. We do a lot of flood and drip here. I think there's maybe a handful of farmers that do center pivots down here. The rest is all drip and flood and all our irrigation water comes from the Rio Grande River, which Mexico controls. Um, I never did my homework when we were talking about it, but oh, Mexico yeah. actually <laughs> controls the release of our water. So if they don't want to give us water, they won't release it into the Rio Grande. And then we can't buy, you know, the water from the irrigation district. So it's, it's quite a tricky process down here. It's not just planting a seed and watching your vegetable grow. It's far more than that. Yeah, when I think of what you guys do, I think of real farming, you know, not that any other farming isn't farming, you know, like your coin, corn and soybeans farmers that don't have to irrigate, but you guys work year round and there's always labor, hand labor, you know, back to like working in the garden kind of thing on a large scale and you have to irrigate and it's like I said, year round, that is a lot of work. So when I think of work, I think of you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty rough down here. And like I said, we grow over 50 types of vegetables. But along with that, you know, we have sugarcane down here. And sugarcane, we still do field burns. And where I live, we have the only sugar mill in Texas. So that's actually where, you know, your sugarcane after being burnt is sent to be made into your table sugar. And I actually filmed an episode on that. And it's amazing to see all the steps that are required just to get your sugar, your table sugar. It's insane. And I don't think that people think about that. You know, like I've even done a wine episode where if you're drinking a glass of wine, you don't, when you're sipping on it, you don't think about the whole entire process of what it did to make that drink that you're enjoying. And that goes with anything, even the vegetables. There's so many steps to it. And I've done a boot episode on how they make boots. 80 hands touch one pair of boots for this company just to make one pair of boots. You don't think about that when you put them on your feet. And so the world of, world of agriculture just is so much more than just being in a field. You know, there's so many little steps and it's, it's a whole team. And I think a lot of times people focus on just the farmer. It's not just the farmer. It's the lady at the FSA office. It's the lady or man, whatever, um, you know, that's controlling your money. There's just, there's so many aspects. Your team that's out there getting rid of the weeds. And I noticed too, when we're talking about a team is up North, like I said, everything's North for me, but I see a lot of the farmers themselves doing the harvest. A lot of times here in the Rio Grande Valley, yes, we have farmers who do the harvest, but a lot of times we also have a team who will do the harvest for us because our farmers are constantly busy because they're planting and harvesting year round. So it's, it's quite uh, diverse and it's a lot different than what you typically see. It's very different. Yeah, I love that you hit on the fact that agriculture isn't just about the farmers too, because 
we do get lost in the fact that it's like appreciate the farmer appreciate the farmer and then there's so many other hands and aspects that go into this that we are forgetting that we don't even register because there's such a lack of information on what really happens through that process so the more you're sharing this it's like oh so if you guys need a visual on anything she just talked about just go to her youtube channel or instagram because there's so much and it helps to be visually connected yeah like we have so many vegetables and i love it when people message me and they tell me i didn't even know that that was a vegetable like there's a lot of exotics that are grown down here which is like napa um bok choy daikon um kohlrabi methy leaf not the drug. People always give me a hard time about that, but it's almost like a cilantro. It's a leafy green. It's a herb. And it's used a lot in the Indian culture. And even dandelion. Um, we grow dandelion for the vegetable market. And every time we do, people tell me, that's always growing in my yard and I'm always killing it. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a vegetable side to it. And people really, the vegetable market for dandelion is good sometimes. And it's, um, I know, like, let's say, let's take a row crop farmer who grows corn. You watch the market like a, like a hawk, right? Is the market up? Is it down? It's the same thing with vegetables. I can talk about a personal experience. My husband um, farmed kale one, one year. And with vegetable farmers, um, you don't just grow one, right? So like on a 28 block of land, we could actually put seven to eight different varieties, even 11 of different vegetables. I shouldn't say varieties, but different types of vegetables. So he had a small block of kale. The market was great when we planted it. We're like, okay, we're projected to make this much, yada, yada, yada. It came time to harvest it. Guess what? There was absolutely no market for it. So we had to A, donate some of it to the food bank and B, we had to disc the rest and just put it back into the ground. And that's a really good way that we do sustainability down here is we, dish things back into the ground a lot of times and a lot of those vegetables are so high in nutrients that it works out pretty well yeah so that, that's that would be hard to just lose your market like and especially with vegetables it can just disappear so fast I didn't even think about that because you know yes. grain corn is totally different you can store it and like vegetables don't store the way that these other yes. grain crops do so yeah, and it's like cilantro. Let's the cool thing about like let's say cilantro or Swiss chard is you go to harvest it and there's not a market for it. Or let's say we got hit with the freeze because we got hit with one last or two years ago. No, I think it was a year ago. Anyways, we hadn't had a freeze since the '80s, and so a lot of the crops were destroyed. But if you don't get hit with a severe weather issue, let's just say a small frost, and it kind of damages your Swiss chard or your cilantro you can actually go through, a tractor will come through and will basically shred it, but they leave the growth terminal, the shoot there, and the cilantro will regrow itself in about three weeks. So although you didn't make money on it, you still had the opportunity to try again. So you mm -hmm. can actually, with that one cilantro seed, you can actually get several crops off of it, which is amazing. And even like, we'll send harvesters out there and they'll go and they'll, they won't harvest the whole field at one time. They go based upon what the order is calling for, or what the market needs or the broker needs, right? To sell to your local grocery store. And so you can actually get several harvests off of just one plant of cilantro. So although the whole plant might've been harvested, it'll regrow itself, like I said, in two or three weeks, which I think is pretty amazing. You can get up to three to five cuts 
or harvest off of one plant. Yeah, but then it's different than alfalfa and the fact that you take it all out of the field after you get those three to four. So it's not a perennial crop in the fact that it stays in the field for multiple years. Correct. Yeah. Once after your fourth harvest or so, then it'll be shredded, just back into the ground and then off you go. But like I said, vegetables are from September, sometimes August, all the way till the early part of May. And then we'll go on with our row crops. So our ground, you know, it, it doesn't rest often, but we do do cover crops and we do, you know, we try our best to keep that ground in its prime condition. Yeah. What are your soil types like down there? So that's a great question because it is so different. Um, you go west, you're going to get a lot of, you know, your clay and your sandy loam. You get to where the vegetable ground is and you have your loam. And a lot of times on what I put on Instagram, it looks really dry. It, mm -hmm. The top layer, yes, it's extremely dry. It looks awful. But once you just get, you know, a little bit down there, it's full of moisture. Then you go east closer to the beach because I live about 45 minutes from South Padre Island. So you get into the east, then you get more sand and it is sandy. Let me tell you that much. It is sandy, but we have all different types of soil there. I mean, there's not just one that's permanent to this area. It just really depends on what farm you're on, which I think is fascinating. And I think that's why the Valley took off in agriculture is a lot of farmers were coming down here a long time ago because it was called the magic valley because the soil and the climate was just prime for anything to grow yeah that's right i remember you talking about that um because we are the magic valley as well where i am from and so i just thought that was interesting because it was the magic valley because we got irrigation through here and that's the only reason we can farm it and the soil is pretty good but just talking about the soil types and how much they vary i'm sure that has a role in like no, I'm sure that the practices that have been taken throughout each farm have also played a role in soil development over the years because, you know, everything you do to the soil changes it. So if like, like we were talking about earlier with how everyone does things differently, that changes your soil to an extent, yeah. not drastically, but it's definitely going to add in some changes that are going to, could it potentially affect it drastically? I don't know. I'm not a soil <laughs> scientist, but yes well neither am I neither am I I'm just a, a girl out there dancing in fields educating people so I'm no soil scientist but I will tell you through you know when I have to go through my magazine and read all the articles make sure everything's correct I've learned so much about soil and plants and insects that it blows my mind and like I said my husband works for Helena and on top of that, he goes out and checks the farmer's crops every week. And so I'll ride along with him every now and then, and he'll educate me. And it's just crazy, you know, what it takes to grow a crop, whether it be a row crop or a vegetable, there's so many little steps. And it just, it, it blows my mind because back in the day, I would have never given it a second thought. Yeah. And Not once. Kind of cool to think about too because if your mom was a restaurant manager you guys are closely tied to food all the time so the fact that you got more into it and now we're talking about how people don't realize <laughs> yeah. everything that goes into our food behind the scenes it's just it makes me wonder what you would have thought then if you knew then right. what you knew now no now exactly yeah, yeah. And she, I mean she ran a very successful she owned the restaurant for almost 27 years and I mean, they had anything you could name of on that menu. And the fact that I was so young, I never 
like you said, you never give it a second thought. And I think that's too, going back to our very beginning of our conversation is that lack of communication. I've gone to classes and educated this younger generation on agriculture and the lack of knowledge, it's jaw dropping. I would have never have thought that a child would have thought that the food just magically shows up at the grocery store or, you know, that their clothes magically appear at the store. Like there's so, it's so fascinating to see that, that gap because I feel like agriculture was so, I guess, given more attention back in the day than what it is now. And now it's more prominent than it was back then. Like we rely on agriculture more and more every day. Everything that we do, some form or fashion of it came from someone involved in agriculture. Absolutely. Everything. And people don't even connect that anymore. It's like they just connect the food, the only food part. They connect corn to agriculture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they don't think about anything else. And so we get our, you know, we're able to go to work because of agriculture, <laughs> literal tires come out of agriculture. So if you, you know, buy yeah, products exactly. in your cell phone, it's your clothes on your back, everything, forestry, part of agriculture, wood. Exactly. It It's just so crazy. The disconnect, like you were saying, and the younger generation is the way to get in there because we need to teach them and they're their most learnable, moldable stages so yeah but that's affected by parents it's a generational problem I think the lack of information that's being spread I agree too and it's you know it's just amazing and when we're talking about social media and communication and all that misconception out there is social media is such a powerful tool and I blame your generation because I'm I'm old but, you know, with all the TikTok, the Snapchats, the Instagrams, I, I think Facebook is kind of often the dust, you know, but um, basically, I, like for me, I'll, I have no problem being in front of people. I love to talk, meeting new people. I also have no filter, which works against me sometimes. But like, I'll go out to our local grocery store called HEB and I'll walk up to people and say, hey, I'll give you a $5 Starbucks card if you let me film you and put you on my Instagram. But I just want to ask you a farming question. And a lot of times they'll be like, well, I I probably don't know the answer. And I'm like, that's what I want. I want your genuine answer. And so people will agree to it. And let's say, for example, I've asked someone, do you buy or let's say the GMO? That's a big topic, right? I'll hold up a box of Triscuits. And I'll say, okay, would you buy this box of Triscuits because it says non-GMO or would you buy these Ritz that don't have the non-GMO label on it? Oh, well, I'll buy the non-GMO one. Okay, well, why are you buying the non-GMO? What does non-GMO stand for? Uh, uh, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, so why is it healthier if you don't even know what it stands for? Well, because that's what I'm told. That's what I've read. And so that's a perfect example of how people are so in tune with just because it's on the internet means it's right and that's not true because you know what is it that wheat is non-gmo there's not there's not any gmo GMO correct yeah correct not commercially produced anyway there could be you know trials right but not commercially produced and used exactly and that and a lot of people don't know that but what I feel is that these larger marketing corporations use that to their advantage. And they're like, oh, well, we're just going to slap. They know, they probably know, 
But they're like, well, we're just going to slap the non-GMO on there because people are probably going to be more prone to buy it or, you know, organic versus conventional. People think that organic is not sprayed at all. You know, newsflash, organic is actually sprayed more than conventional is. Sure, maybe with the less harsh chemical, but it's still sprayed, but people don't know that. And so I think that that's fascinating. And that's why I love going out and, you know, just asking random questions. And I know that Rob Sharkey does the same thing. He'll go out when he's in Nashville and ask people questions on the street about agriculture. And it's, I think instead of like, being dumbfounded by their answers, I think that we should use that to our advantage and be like, you know what? This is where the problem lies. Let's educate this one person because that one person's gonna go tell their friend, hey, look what I learned. And the biggest form of marketing is word of mouth. And then it'll just spread like wildfire. And so I think we should use this not, you know, these people as our as our fuel to keep going and be like, look, you know, we've got to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people on social media take the time to focus on the negative comments they receive. I'm not a huge fan of that, but I understand where they're coming from and trying to educate them, but it has to come out of a genuine care for our industry and for their knowledge and their Correct. the benefit of the consumer and not for making yourself look like you're trying harder to show them the same thing you know I was mm-hmm. talking to I think crop scout Christy about this on a podcast we did a while ago and she's like why isn't the perspective flipped like why are we not taking on different points of our industry to our advantage to use that to educate people rather than attack them for what they don't know you know we have the same tactics going at it over and over and over again why don't we change the tactics? You know, they're obviously not working and it's insanity to keep doing something that's not working. So why don't we change it? And I love that she talked about that because we do focus on kind of the same agenda and don't let people in. I mean, we're letting people in, but we don't let them into the extent that it makes sense to people. I don't know. I feel like there's a better way to attack (laughs) what we're trying to attack on social media in but it takes the creativity to share that. So, yeah, absolutely. And I know that our we probably wanted to talk a lot about our diversity and crops down here, but I feel like, you know, divine intervention from the big man upstairs. I, I think our conversation has kind of shifted to this, this gap between the communications, which is great because you and I are both involved in communications of ag. And one piece of advice that I could give to anyone that's listening or anyone that's interested in, traveling around farms and spreading the word of agriculture is it doesn't matter what people say you know people are set in their ways they're going to think what they're going to think unless they are actually proven wrong and there's been so many instances throughout my career where I could have just given up like when you know I'm an only child um I grew up with a single parent and so you know when I lost my mom that was it like it's just me And not being accepted when I first started my magazine at the very start, there's just, you know, my son being told he had leukemia. So for two years, we're in and out of doctors trying to figure out what's going wrong. There's so many times that I could have stopped and everyone's life and everyone's situation is so different. And what may happen to you may look small to me, but it's big to you. And so um, I think everyone has their own personal experiences, but if you're truly passionate about what you're doing, there's nothing in the world that can stop you. There's nothing. And I think that's why 
I kind of kept going too is because I was so passionate about it. And so whoever's listening, if you want to, like I said, if you want to do what, you know, Emma and I do keep going, you're nothing in life is going to be easy. You know, it's not, I think the more trials you have, the stronger of a person you become and the more educated you become. And it comes to a point where you've been through so much in your life. You're like, I'm not going to let one negative comment, you know, destroy me and stop me from my purpose. Like why would this person doesn't go to bed thinking about me. So why am I letting one negative comment prevent me from going to sleep or moving on with my dream? You know, why give your time to someone who doesn't really care about you? They just want to sit behind a keyboard and be right. Let them think they're right. You know what? Because you're not going to change your mind unless you physically get them out there and show them. And that's where social media comes in because you can physically show them by being at the farm. And so they're watching you physically be there. And so I just, you're going to get nasty comments. The world is full of nasty people. But you, like I said, have tough skin, but a soft heart. Deal with it with grace. I don't feel like arguing back and forth with them is going to make it better. They're eventually going to unfollow you or block you. I think you handle it with grace and say, hey, I respect your opinion. Let me show you something. And go out the next day or in a week, whenever you can, and just kind of show them and be like, if this doesn't change your mind, then I don't know what will, but I'm showing you exactly what's happening. We are not the problem. I'm not going to fight with you. And then you move on. You can't change the world. I mean, you can't change the world. Let's be honest. One person cannot change the world. It takes a team. And that's where I feel like we need to come together as agriculture. Stop competing with one another. We're all in it together and do our thing and what we're set out to do. Yeah, I again love everything you just said and I really do think that yes we could have focused on the diversity a little more but people can see that and that's I think my problem with my podcast is I always think I'm going to talk to them about farming and then it always turns into this like heart-to-heart kind of thing so if you want (laughs) a visual exactly and so it just I think they're the podcast is for you know the feel good behind the scenes so um, yeah if you want a visual, there's always stuff all over Michelle's account and I will tag her, not tag her in the description. I'll drop all of her information, her website, <laughs> her YouTube channel, um, her Instagram. But if you find her Instagram, it's easy to find the rest. So again, yeah. Michelle, thank you so much for everything that you've said today. I would add to it, but there's really, you <laughs> knocked everything on the head. So, Well, thanks for having me. And you're, I guess I'm just going to have to groom you and mentor you. I'll be one of your millions of mentors because you're gonna, you're doing great things. And I'm I'm cheering for you. So Thank I'm you old so and decrepit. According to Farmer Dan, <laughs> I'm old. Which, by the way, he's a great friend of mine. I call him my little brother I never had. But uh, I filmed with him and he became a lifelong friend, he and his wife. And, you know, y'all are doing great things. And we've really got to support you younger generations because y'all understand social media a whole lot better than I do. So (laughs) keep rocking it. Just got to make it your workhorse, right? If you're not making it work, (laughs) you're wasting time. So that's right. All right. Well, thank you again, Michelle. You guys go check her out because you can learn literally so much. I learn every day something (laughs) from her. So we will catch you on the next episode. And again, go check her out. Like get off your phone right now and go check out Michelle's stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, don't get off your phone. They're using their phone to go check us out. (laughs) That's right. I forget.
<laughs> okay do what you do hop on your instagram if you don't have instagram get on youtube you can't even use that as an excuse <laughs> right y'all have a good day thanks again for having me thank you so much we'll talk to you later god bless bye